Hi, and welcome to Follow's weekly message podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. We hope you enjoy the message. Today's reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 42 to verse 45. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, today is Good Friday. But if you know what happened on the first Good Friday at Jesus' crucifixion, what's so good about it is a reasonable question to ask. There is nothing good about crucifixion. And so what makes Good Friday so good? Well, what makes Good Friday so good is that we know the end of the story. We know it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. You know, if you looked at the death of Jesus Christ in portrait view, you couldn't possibly say there was anything good about a day such as this. But when you see the landscape view that includes not just his death, but his life, his death and his resurrection, it opens up your eyes to see the magnificence and the wonder of the gospel story and what it means for every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. This Easter time, we're wanting to bring that landscape view in our Easter series, which is called Buried to Bloom. But it's hard to move forward this year without acknowledging that this year Easter is a little bit different for all of us. For the first time in my lifetime, we won't have the opportunity to physically gather together in one room in this powerful time to worship Jesus, the risen King. But I want to encourage you, even in the midst of isolation, right there in your lounge room, watching on your phone, your laptop or your TV, don't miss it. Don't miss the power of Easter. Remember this Easter, what Jesus has done for you. Because it's incredible and it's life-changing and it's worth reflecting on afresh. This is an incredible time of year. And perhaps one of the advantages of lockdown is that we have more opportunity than ever before for rest and time with God. And so make the most of that this week. Find a quiet space to meditate on the wonders of knowing Jesus. To experience anew this Easter, His forgiveness as we accept that He died in our place for our sin. At the end of this service, we're going to have a time of communion together as an online community. And that's a wonderful thing to do. But I want to encourage you to find another time by yourself or with your family to really reflect on what Easter means for you. This year, we're sharing around Easter by looking at four verses located in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. Last week, Adam focused on Jesus' extraordinary life of service from the first part of Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Today, we're honing in, of course, on Jesus' death in that second part of that verse. And of course, on Sunday, we'll look at verses 42 to 44 as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the grave. But as I said a moment ago, my focus today is on the second part of Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Let me read the entirety of that verse for us again this morning. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus lived an incredible life of service here on earth, but the pinnacle of that service was seen in his death on the cross. Jesus served to the point of actually giving his life for us. 
You know, as Christians, we're all called to serve. But if we're honest, sometimes there is some reluctance in our service. There are some limits to the extent of our serving. Well, not so with Jesus. Jesus didn't serve with limits. He didn't just only commit to serving so far and no further. He didn't say, I'll go as far as giving up my time. He didn't say, I'll do anything for others as long as my life is safe. He didn't say, I'll serve as long as it's convenient or I enjoy it or it fits in my busy busy schedule. No, Jesus served to the point of death. From this short part of scripture, I want to share three life-changing truths for us to reflect on this Good Friday. And the first life-changing truth is simply this, that Jesus willingly gave his life. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. In fact, it's the very reason he came. Have you ever given away anything that cost you something? You know, you give something away and there's that sense of sacrifice in what you were doing. Well, for those who are regular at Follow, you'll know this, but for those who aren't, one of our key ministries at church is called the Blessed Collective Food Van. Every Tuesday and Thursday night, we gather in a park at Pakenham Station and we serve food to the homeless and to the disadvantaged, as well as partnering with other organisations to provide a hot shower and a portable laundry service. We give out care packs, we give out clothing, and we have a referral system for those that need further support. Together with others, we've collectively created a community hub for those in need. One night soon after we started, about four years ago, a young guy turned up in the middle of winter in bare feet. We got chatting as his meal was being served and he told me some of his story. And when I asked him about why he was in bare feet, he said that someone had stolen his shoes while he was sleeping. And because his shoes were stolen, he had no money, he hadn't been able to get any replacement shoes for his feet. And so for two and a half days, he had worn nothing on his feet at all. And now he said they were constantly throbbing. Well, right there in that dark park on that winter night, I had one of those Holy Spirit moments that many of us would have experienced. You know, those moments when you hear that little whisper of God's voice, but you kind of try and pretend you didn't and you sweep it off to the side. I'm sure some of you know exactly the type of moment that I'm talking about. You see, my problem that night was that I was wearing nice new runners, which I really liked. They were comfortable, they looked good, and I had no intention of sharing them with anyone. But as I looked down at his feet and I looked down at mine, and I saw they were a similar size, and as I thought of my cupboard back at home full of shoes, I knew what God was asking me to do. I said to this young guy, it must be really hard for you getting around with no shoes. And he said, man, it's awful. I said, well, you can have mine. And he looked at me and he looked at my shoes and he said, are you sure? At that point, I didn't say what I was thinking because if I'm being truthful this morning, I wasn't sure. I was thinking in my head, you know what, this could be a really dumb idea. I don't know when I'm going to be able to afford new shoes. But that's not what I said. What came out of my mouth was this. I said, that's fine. You can have them. And so I took off my shoes and I gave them the shoes. And then I rang my wife, Kim, and I asked her to bring me my old ones from the cupboard. Now, I'd love to say that I'm just a very generous person who willingly gave away his new shoes and that I never gave it a second thought. But if I said that, I'd be lying because I went over it again and again in my mind. And I thought to myself, why did I give my new shoes away? And every time for the next week that I put my old shoes on and I did them up, I was reminded that I'd given a new pair away. I felt the cost. I had feelings of doubt. I started to second guess myself. But for me, giving away my shoes 
was a sacrifice. But when I ponder Good Friday, a sacrifice like that seems so trivial. It kind of pales into insignificance when I think of what Jesus willingly gave for us. He didn't just give us a smile or some quality time or even a pair of Nikes. Jesus willingly gave away his life. Jesus himself said in John 15, 13, No one has greater love than the one who gives their life for their friends. In the Easter story and most profoundly the crucifixion, we have the ultimate example of love. Jesus loved you and he loved me so much that he laid his life down on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. I don't know if you've ever seen Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. But in that movie, there's a horrific and yet probably a very accurate depiction of crucifixion. We see in that movie that Jesus was spat on. He was mocked and ridiculed by the religious leaders, the Roman soldiers and even the general public. He was betrayed to death by one of his 12 disciples and was abandoned by the rest. But the pre-crucifixion scenes of flogging and the cat of nine tails is one of those movie scenes that is tarred on your brain. Once you see it, you cannot unsee it. It's unbearable to watch as Jesus is flogged and whipped so that chunks of flesh were pulled from his body. And when he was so brutally beaten that he was hard to recognise, finally he was nailed to a cross where he was slowly and painfully die. If you could dream up a worst case scenario in life and death, Jesus took all of that on himself during the last days of his earthly life. And yet for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus saw the joy of the future, but it laid on the other side of the suffering and the sacrifice of the cross. And yet Jesus looked down the telescope of history and he saw you and he saw me. And he said, it's all worth it. That's the power of Easter. The first life-changing truth of Easter that we should never forget is that Jesus willingly gave his life. The second life-changing truth of Easter is that Jesus paid our ransom. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Perhaps the most well-known verse in the whole Bible is John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. You know, that verse reminds us of what Jesus' death achieved at the cross. It wasn't just an honourable man sacrificing his life for an earthly cause. It was, in fact, the Son of God paying a ransom to secure an eternal one. A few years ago, I heard a powerful story that I've never, ever forgotten. It was a story of a man named John Griffith. In the 1930s, he worked as a controller of a huge railroad bridge across the Mississippi River. Every day at certain scheduled times, the huge bridge was raised so that barges and other ships might make their way down the river. And then according to a schedule, John would lower the bridge so that the freight and passenger trains could safely go across. In the summer of 1937, John Griffith took his eight-year-old son with him to work for the very first time. 
The boy was so excited. His dad was his hero. He wanted to see his dad in action, operating this huge bridge up and down throughout the day. And so John took him up to the observation deck so that he could watch the boats and trains go by. He was so excited about it. And at noon, John put the bridge up to let some ships go by since there wouldn't be a train coming for a while. And he made his way up to the observation deck and they had lunch together, him and his son. Some good quality father-son time right there on the observation deck. And just as John was telling a long story after lunch about trains and boats, all of a sudden he was startled by the shrieking of a train whistle in the distance. He quickly looked at his watch and he was shocked that it was 1.07, the time had got away from him. In the midst of his storytelling, he'd forgotten that the passenger train, the express for Memphis with 400 passengers on board, would soon be roaring across that bridge. Without panic, but very quickly, he leapt from the observation deck and he ran back to the control tower. Once he arrived, he placed his hands upon the massive iron controls and he started to close that bridge. But before pulling the final lever, he glanced down beneath the bridge to see if there were any ships passing underneath. There a sight caught his eye that nearly made his heart stop. As he looked down in the big gears, he saw that his precious son had slipped from the observation deck and had fallen into the huge gears that operated the bridge. His son was still alive and conscious, but his left leg was caught in the cogs of the main gears. John knew that if he pulled that lever, his son would be crushed. His eyes filled with tears of panic. Can you imagine how he would have felt in that moment? His head was spinning. He wanted nothing more than to save his son, but he knew that there was no way he could do it in time for that train, in time for that bridge to come down. Again, closer than ever, the train whistle sounded. He could now hear the wheels clicking over the tracks and he heard the puffing of the engine. But down there, that was his son. John Griffith faced an agonising choice to save his son or to save the 400 passengers. He knew what he had to do, so he buried his head in his left arm and he pulled that major lever. The massive bridge lowered into place just as the Memphis Express roared across the Mississippi. All 400 passengers were saved that day, but his son was crushed. When he lifted his head, with face smeared with tears, he looked into the passing windows of that train. There were businessmen casually reading their afternoon papers, uniformed conductors looking at their large vest pocket watches, well-dressed ladies in the dining car sipping on cups of coffee, and children pushing long spoons into the dishes of ice cream. No one looked at the control house. No one looked down at that great gearbox. With wrenching agony, John Griffith cried out at the train, I sacrifice my son for you. Don't you care? But nobody heard. They never even looked up from their newspapers, their watches, their coffee or their ice cream. It's a tragic and true story where a precious son was sacrificed for the sake of many lives. Every time I recall that story, it reminds me of the power of the Easter story. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The prophet Isaiah tells us that he was crushed for our iniquities, for our sin. But the big difference between John Griffith's story and Jesus' story was that Jesus didn't die by accident. 
He willingly laid his life down for us. He paid our ransom so that we could be set free. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. In other words, the things we do wrong carry with them a penalty. God is love. We know that from experience. We know that from his word. But he's also a God of holiness and justice, and he can't tolerate sin. Sin separates us from relationship with God the Father. It holds us back from the relationship he designed us to have. And no matter how good we are, how many nice things we do or say, none of us can escape the fact that we've all done the wrong thing at times. In fact, most of us probably can't get through today, maybe even the next hour, without doing, saying or thinking something that's not as nice as we would hope. When we really dig deep into our lives, there is a darkness that seems to pervade into our thoughts and our words and our actions on a regular basis. The Bible calls that darkness sin. And it's that same sin that keeps us from the presence of a holy God and declares us guilty before his throne. In order to be free of that sin, a price has to be paid. And as I said a moment ago, the price is death. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. The glorious news of Easter is that Jesus offers to pay that price as the ransom for our sin. He laid down his life and he shed his blood for you and for me. And this is what he offers this Easter time and every day, not just to an individual, but to all of humanity. Romans 10.13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What an extraordinary promise that is. Jesus offers to pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus willingly gave his life. Jesus paid our ransom. And finally, the third life-changing truth of Easter to reflect on this year is that Jesus offers us life. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. Notice it doesn't say all. It says many. I wonder this morning, has he paid the ransom for you? Has he paid the ransom for you? You see, a ransom only gets paid if we're willing to accept the gift of the person offering to pay it. In high school, I had a best friend and we did everything together for years. We played footy and cricket together. We surfed together. We stayed at each other's houses on the weekends and throughout the holidays. But in year 11, we had a massive fallout which ended in several physical altercations. There was so much trouble, so much turmoil, that I had no choice but to leave the school I was at and go somewhere new for year 12. It was a very difficult time of life. When I left that school, I was angry. If I'm honest, when I thought of my former friend, it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say I hated him. I remember going to the gym and punching the punching bag until my knuckles would bleed and all I could think of was him. You see, we'd both hurt each other, but I wasn't at the point of accepting that. I was just angry at him. It was all his fault as far as I was concerned. Now I held on to that anger and that rage for at least a couple of years and that bitterness, I've got to say, it changed my life. My life unraveled. I changed from a happy, go-lucky, easygoing kind of a kid to an angry and bitter person. Until one day I was challenged in a sermon on forgiveness and that day I repented of my own actions and I forgave my friend. My life unraveled in reverse. 
And over time, I changed back to being a happy and healthy person again. But even though I forgave that day, I never saw my friend again. It was before the days of Facebook, years went by and I heard nothing from him. In fact, 11 years went by. In that time, Facebook was invented. And one day I received a private message in my Facebook account. It was my old friend. He started by saying, Luke, I'm probably the last person on earth you ever want to hear from. And if you feel that way, feel free to delete this message and forget all about it. But I just wanted to say that I've done a lot of thinking about what happened and I really regret what occurred. I want to say I'm sorry for everything that happened. I've realised friendships like the one we had don't come along many times in a lifetime. And I wish we never threw ours away. I'm so sorry. I replied accepting his apology and explaining how sorry I was as well, that I was also filled with deep regret. And what happened as a result of that was a beautiful story of reconciliation. But it was only possible because I accepted the free gift he offered me and because he accepted the free gift I offered him. You know, it's a similar situation with Jesus' ransom. It's a free gift offered, but it's a ransom for many and not all because not all accept what Jesus has done. And perhaps that's the greatest tragedy in life because Jesus offers us life and life to the full, a life free of guilt and shame and regret, a life full of joy and purpose, a life beyond anything else this whole world could ever offer us. To offer you that free gift, it costs Jesus his life. And yet many people say, thanks, but no thanks. This Easter, I pray that you will stop and consider that. If you're a Christian this morning, let the gravity of his love sweep over you again. Because COVID-19 has changed this Easter, but it doesn't make it any less powerful than any other year. This Easter, we're not pressing pause, we're passionately pursuing Jesus. To know him more, to love him more. But if you're watching today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, and you haven't ever accepted the free gift of salvation he offers you through the cross, then maybe today's the day to do that. Maybe God's speaking to you right now. I pray that God is speaking to you wherever you are, even if it's right there on the couch, in your lounge room, maybe even in your PJs. This morning, if you feel God is encouraging you and challenging you to take that step, to put your faith in him, you can do so by praying a simple prayer like the one on the screen. I'm going to pray that right now. And wherever you are, you can pray it with me. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place and offering new life through forgiveness of sin and relationship with you. Help me to rest in the knowledge of who you are and all you've done for me. Today, I accept you as my Lord and Saviour and I give my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to represent you in the world around me. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer this morning, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to celebrate with you this Easter time. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. We'd also love to chat with you about how you can continue on your journey of following Jesus. And so to let us know, you can click the moments button on your screen and we will be in touch with you. In our service, in just a few minutes, we're going to partake of communion together. This is a special time around the Lord's table. And so if you haven't prepared anything yet, We'll give you a couple of minutes to grab some juice and a piece of bread or a cracker. 
And for the rest of us, we're going to listen to a poem written by Wilma from our church. It's a beautiful piece about Jesus. And so let's use this as a reflection to prepare our hearts for this time of communion with one another. In the beginning was the Father who said, Let there be light. And he set the sun upon high to shine his love for all the world to see. And on one starry night, a sign appeared in the heavens, a heavenly star that burned brighter than any other. Nothing like this had been seen on earth before. The God who neither slept nor slumbered, wrapped himself in the fragility of man, became one of us to redeem back his bride. For 33 years, he walked among us. We beheld his glory and knew him not. We had ears, but we couldn't hear the melodies he sung over us. We had eyes, but we couldn't see the one we had been longing for. The one who had left the sounds of the angels singing glory, 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 holy, 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 to come to a company that hurled stones and called him the prince of demons, the one who was to carry our grief and carry us when we were weak. Yet we cursed him and esteemed him not when he carried the cross to Golgotha, the one who tore the veil in two to bring us closer to him. But we walked past him and treated his sacrifice as common, the one who was betrayed, scorned, abandoned, the one who was wounded for our transgressions, the one whose name we are not worthy to utter. Jesus humbled himself at the cross to show us the length of his love. He was hung high to show us the height of his love. He was stretched wide to show us the width of his love. And he was buried deep to show us the depth of his love. But the story doesn't end with his death. On the third day, he rose up again in victory and now, now we can stare into the eyes of our beloved one. Jesus, for he has chosen us to be in him, even before the foundations of the earth. And now we can freely love the one who first loved us, because we were created for a love story with the King of Kings. What a beautiful piece of poetry that was, Wilma. Thank you for helping us to really focus on Easter this year. And we've come to a really important time for us as a community, um, as we celebrate communion together. It's always a precious time around the Lord's table to remember his death and resurrection. And there's no greater time to do that than Easter. And so we're going to do that together this morning. Um, and it's, you know, we're, we're not in the same room today. We're in different locations, but we're one body, uh, not just our church community, but right around the world as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember that we are together united by Jesus' death and resurrection. And so I want to read to you today from Matthew's Gospel um, before we partake. The Last Supper, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. So this morning, let's take the bread, which represents Jesus' body given for us and let's eat together in remembrance of him.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body broken for us. What incredible sacrifice that you took our sins upon yourself and you died in our place. Lord, we're so grateful. We think of what happened at the cross and what you endured and it's incredible to think that you loved us so much that you were willing to do that for us. We thank you for your body broken for us. After eating the bread, Jesus then took the cup and when they given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take the cup this morning and let's drink in remembrance of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your blood spilt for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. But Lord, we thank you that you are willing to shed your blood for us. Lord, we thank you that we can live in the the glorious reality that we are forgiven, not just for the sins we've done in the past, but the ones we're doing now and the ones we'll do in the future. They're all covered by what you did for us, your sacrifice on our behalf. Lord, help us never to take that for granted. Help us to live for you every day. And Lord, this Easter, we're so thankful, so thankful for your sacrifice, so so thankful for the technology to be able to celebrate this together, even though we can't be in the same room. Lord, we say thank you this Easter. We say thank you every day for who you are and all you've done for us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I hope you found this a really powerful time as we celebrate a communion together. And like I said before during the sermon, uh, this week, take some time to really reflect on what Jesus has done for you. Make it a powerful moment this week uh, at your house, in the quietness, the own, your own private space, as we remember and celebrate the glorious news of the gospel, which came to reality that very first Easter. Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online. To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.